project Taryag day 92, Mitzvah Tafkuf Peiches, and that is the Mitzvah Lasses Schar Sachir Biyomai, to give a worker his wages on the same day. The Pasuk says Biyomai Titin Schari, pay him the same day of his work. This doesn't make a difference if it's referring to a Jewish worker or a Geritoshav, which means a non Jew has the right to live in Israel, he doesn't worship a Vedazara. But the the love, which is a follow-up to this mitzvah, so say, only applies to a Jew, not to a Gertoshev. The reason for the mitzvah, the Pasuk itself gives us, is because a hired worker normally is working in order to be able, be able to buy food, and therefore if one doesn't pay him on time, it means he wants the money to eat. As the Pasuk says, Ki anihu, he's poor, and the head of a nose is nafshoi, he's risking his life, to get this to work in order to, like we said, to get money to buy food with it. And the Gemara elaborates and said it's not for nothing that he he risked himself by climbing the trees or hanging onto a wall, whatever he had to do for the job he was meant to do. And therefore the Torah wants us, as the land, as the employer, to understand the situation of the employee and have compassion on him and therefore pay him when he deserves to be paid. And he goes further to say that's even considered a chesed. The Salach applies both to the schar, the payment for a worker himself, or if a person hires someone's animals or somebody's possessions, he's hired to pay the rent or the usage as well on the same day. The time that he has to pay if the person worked at night is he has to pay the, the following day until sunset, and if the person worked during the day, he has to pay that night until the morning. That's why we have two psukim. The one says, Don't leave the money until the, or the sachar until the morning. That's referring to a day worker where you have the whole night until the following day to pay him. And if you be a night worker, then the halachi is you have to pay him the same day. And it says on that that you have to pay him during the day until the next night. A person's hired for a month or for a year or for longer than that. So it depends on when his work came to an end and then one has the following time period, it's a day or a night, to pay him for all the work he's done. It doesn't make a difference if he's paid for completing a job or he's paid for the time he worked, what's called in the Russian of Chazal, Kablanus or Schirus. Either way around, when he finishes the job you have to do, and you return the object to the owner, the owner has to pay him and has the same time in order to pay him in. However, if it's the case of a person who was paid for finishing a specific job and he hasn't yet returned the item that he finished or that he fixed to the owner, then the issue doesn't yet apply. And therefore, the Gemara says that as long as the, the key, the utensil fixed, is still in the store of the workman or the repairman, there's no iser on the owner to, if he hasn't paid. Similarly, if the worker hasn't yet come to claim payment, also there wouldn't be a of if he hasn't yet paid him. If the employer doesn't have anything to pay with, then he also wouldn't be over this iser. And also, the Chinuch adds, if he would lose a lot of money, by having to pay that day, the Torah didn't force him to do that. 
However, never uh, it's understood that if a person wants to hire a service or a worker, he should have the money ready to pay. Says the Chinuchat to the Spet Das. If a person hires somebody in Arab Shabbos and he isn't able to pay because of Shabbos, so the Chinuch says it could be there's no longer an issue of the rice in this place, he pays him afterwards. Once he isn't able to pay in the proper time, but nevertheless, with Rabban, you have to pay in the next time period after Shabbos, which means the Matzah Shabbos. This mitzvah applies in every place in time, both the men and the ladies. And if a person is over on this and doesn't pay, his worker in the time allotted for that, he's over this mitzvah to say, as well as if the love of the time not to leave the payment of the work until the morning. However, since he's still required to pay, there wouldn't be a punishment of Marcus for being over on this love. Mitzvah Tafkuf Peites is Shalayayid Karav Zeh A witness cannot be a relative of one of the people involved in the court case. And it's also for us as a Bastion to accept evidence, testimony from witnesses or relatives to each other or to one of the two litigants. We learn this from the Pasuk, it says, Parents shouldn't die for their children, and children shouldn't die because of their parents. And then Chazal explained that parents can't die with, due to the testimony of the children, and children can't die because of the testimony of the parents. It doesn't just apply to capital cases. Same thing, we can't obligate someone to pay money uh, on the testimony of their close relatives. Even though the Pasuk only mentions fathers and sons, we understand it applies to all close relatives, and it just goes to the extreme case of fathers and sons who would love each other the most, and even there they're not believed about each other. And similarly, the Gemara gives the, the Pasuk gives the case of a capital case where we think it's very unusual for a father to testify against his sons and they're going to therefore be high if they get killed and therefore that might be a reason to believe him and the Torah tells us even such a case we don't believe a relative. The reason for the mitzvah since the ikhara of all court cases are based on the evidence of the people coming to give testimony therefore Hashem once that the testimony which we can accept to act on is only such a testimony, testimony which is not yet clean from any suspect motive or ulterior mindset that the witnesses might have. And therefore the Torah forbids all testimony of witnesses of, of relatives, whether it's to help the relative or even if it's against the relative, because as if we would accept testimony of witnesses uh, to their disadvantage, we might also come to accept testimony in a case where it would be to their advantage. And therefore we can never accept testimony of witnesses which are relatives. And therefore the Torah often categorically forbids something to prevent the case where there would be an Esau. Also, says the Chinuch, being as relatives live together and they spend their time together, it's definitely possible that there would be those times where there would be an argument between them, become a disagreement or a fight, and if they believed in the evidence against each other, maybe out of anger, which would arise from their being in too close proximity, they would come to want to try and punish each other, and therefore they would come to testify against each other. 
Midin Torah relatives which are possible for Idris are only relatives from the father's family, which means fathers and sons, or grandsons, or brothers with a common father, or the sons of the brothers, you know, the first cousins, and same thing, an uncle and a nephew. However, relatives through the mother's family, or relatives through marriage, are only possible with Rabbanan. However, the second opinion in Tanoim, and that is that relatives from the mother's family are also possible with the Raisa, as well as a brother-in-law or a stepson, and even if they aren't able to inherit from each other, nevertheless it would be sought to give testimony about each other. In the terminology of Chazal, a father and a son are called Rish and Berishan, first degree with relatives. Saying two brothers are considered Rish and Berishan, also first degree. The sons of the two brothers, in other words, first cousins, are called Chani Bishani, second degree witnesses. And the grandsons of the two brothers are considered Shlishi Bishlishi, which means third degree of relatives. And the Rachi is that Rish and Berishan is possible, but Shani and Shlishi Bishlishi would be mutter. So two second cousins would be allowed to testify for each other. And same thing, Shlishi Berishan would be mutter, which means a man would be allowed to testify for his brother's grandson. And same thing, a man would be, a, a man would be allowed to testify for his father's brother's grandson, which means uh, he would his, be a shiny with a Shlishi. And of course, the two shlishes would be allowed to testify for each, against each other, or for each other. Shani Bashani, which means first cousin, would be possible. And of course, a Shani Berisha, which means an uncle, for a nephew, would be possible as well. By the same token, a father can't testify for or against his son, or his grandson. But, with his great-grandson, he'd be kosher, he'd be considered Rishon Bishlishi. However, the assumption will hold that a direct descendant is always also, no matter how many generations further down. A brother and a sister, for a brother to testify against a sister, is also considered a Rishon Rishon. And uh, therefore, again, her children will be a Rishon Rishani, and so on. The Harakha also is that a person, a relative, that a person will be asked to, if it will be a lady, he'll also be asked to her husband. Because we say about Kiisha that like, on the same letter they're considered the same. Therefore, a person's brother-in-law is a Karav like his sister, a person's uncle's wife is a Karav like his uncle, and so on. However, the halacha is we only say that during Baal Kiisha once, not twice. And therefore, if we have a case of uh, a person's brother-in-law's son-in-law, he'd be allowed to give evidence for him. Because then it's using this principle of Balki Ishtar twice. However, in a case where both ladies are also to him, so then we would say this principle of Balki Ishtar, and therefore, for example, if two sisters get married to two men, the two men are also to give evidence on, his, on each other. Uh, relatives are allowed to give evidence on the handwriting of their father or their brother. Because that's only Edith Trabanon. 
And when you're going to look for to check if the witnesses are relatives, we don't just check to see if the relatives are the dependent and the in the case, in a capital case, or the two litigants in a money case. We also look to see beyond that if they would be relatives of the guarantor in a money case or to any of the judges in the basin. If someone's relative through marriage and later on got divorced or the lady died, so they're no longer relatives, the lacha is that they're, not, that they're, not, they're now able to give evidence against each other, even if there would be children from the marriage. A lady he's only engaged to, but not yet married to, even though he can't give evidence for her or against her, but he's not yet asked to give evidence for her family until he marries her. And two brothers, two half-brothers, are not considered relatives, they don't share any common parents, and therefore they'll be able to get evidence against each other. As a principle, Chazal tell us uh, that anybody who knows Aedas for someone else, when he was allowed to get evidence for him, and afterwards they became a Korab and was, was not allowed to get evidence, and then it goes back to being Mutter again. If, as long as it's Khilasa, which means when you knew the evidence, and the Sefer, which means when you came to deliver the evidence, we're both at a situation when he's allowed to give evidence, even though in the middle there was a period where he wasn't. His evidence is acceptable, but if even at the beginning or at the end, he's a Karav, and therefore it's possible for Edus, and he, he can't be used as a witness. This mitzvah applies with the Nemominus, even today when they, we can still judge the Nemominus, and in the Nefashis, only when there was a possibility of judgment in the Nefashis, it only applies to men who can give off the evidence because ladies are possible to give off the evidence. And uh, if a person's over in this and accepts the testimony of a relative, um, he's been invited this this mitzvah, but there's no malchus for it because it doesn't have a maisa. Mitzvah Tafk of Tzadi, and that is Shalala Hatis Mishmat Yasam, not to slants wrongly the judgments against a ger or a yasam. The positive And this is the same as all the other rules applying to the Dayanim, not to cause a miscarriage of justice. If a person's over in this and he does do that, he paskins wrongly in the case of a ger or a yasam. He's over on two lavim, the one we just mentioned, as well as the general mishpat, which means not to cause the travesty of the justice system. And if it's a ger and a yasim, then he'll be over on three lavim because he'll be over both on this person who's a ger and a yasim as well. Right, this mitzvah only applies to men who can be judges. Mitzvah Tav Kuf Tzadi Aleph is not to take a mashkin from an almana. The puzzle says they tach for begel almana, which means even if she owes him money, was not allowed to take her clothing as a mashkin. And the opinion of Tanakama is it's regardless of the status of the Almana, whether she's poor, whether she's wealthy, one can't take her Ramashkan from her. Here also the Khinuk says the reason for it is part of the good middle Sashem wants to train people to have. 
And therefore, part of that chiyuv is to have compassion for Nalmana, because already her heart is broken, and therefore one shouldn't add to her distress by taking her things away as a mashka. It doesn't make a difference whether it's a person who wants to take a mashka himself or he wants to do it by a basin. The Raman Paskins in the Sadaqa, the basin also wants that to take a mashka from her. And this mitzvah also applies in every place and every time, both to men and to women. And if a person's openness and does take her clothing or something else of her belongings as a maskron, we make them return it to her. The basin will still force her to pay her debts. If she borrowed money, she has to repay the money. And if she denies the, the, the debt, then like everyone who denies a chiyuv, she'll have to make a shvur. And if the person who took the mashka from her lost it or destroyed it or damaged it before Basin were able to return it to her, then there isn't the option of undoing the light assay by returning what was taken. And that's the case of Bichayev Marcus. And uh, it's here also the Chinuch asks the question, that if it, we should just deduct it from the, the money that she owes him, if that's the case, it's like he's paid it back and he wouldn't be chayv markets as well. Even though there's the opinion of Rabbi Shimon, and that is that the sin of ma, and not to be ma, take a mashkin from an almana only applies to a poor almana because that means we have to return the mashkin to her every day or every night when she needs it. And in that case, the fact that there be a man walk, coming into her property every day would arouse the suspicions of the neighbors that the Gemara says the we don't look for reasons in the Pasuk which the Pasuk couldn't give and that's why in Pasuk and that's how the Chinuch brought this mitzvah that it applies to everybody whether she's wealthy or poor whether the person the creditor is taking the mashkin as a man or a woman the Tav Kuf Tali base and that is to leave Shikha for the Anim the Pazak says if a person has bundles of wheat in his field, and he forgets about he, one of the bundles in the field, he has to leave it for the poor, or for the window or the orphan, and he's not allowed to take it from them, he has to leave it for them to take themselves. The reason for the mitzvah says the chinuch, because the poor are relying on the tvur that they can gather from the fields of the wealthy as the income, as the source of food. When they see all the piles of wheat, all the bundles being stacked up in the fields, because of the bracha that Hashem has given to the wealthy landowner, and they obviously were hoping if only they would have some of that as well, that they would have bundles of food to take home, and uh, the expectations aren't that high. Even one bundle of food would make them happy, and therefore from Hashem's chesed to them, is if there'd be a case where the owner would forget it in the field, because he has so much, and each individual bundle doesn't have that much significance to him. If that's the case, Hashem says, don't go back and take it, leave it for those people who it would mean so much to. And uh, the benefits for the owner, like in every mitzvah, is that the midas of he would be a koiner by being compassionate to the poor, is also would be a source of bracha for him in the future as well. The halacha is if it's too big, the pile has a two, it has the amount of two sa'ah, which is a weight of food. There's a couple chikhat, people wouldn't forget something so big. A person can only forget a bundle, not a whole stack of wheat. Similarly, if a person's workers forgot it but he didn't, 
or the other way around, the person's employed workers to clear the field, and he doesn't remember what the workers do, then it wouldn't be shikha. And it's mitzvah applies both to men and to ladies in places where trimmers and mice are noyeg, and that's only in places where and there's Eretz Yisrael, where Kleistral are there. And if a person's over this mitzvah and he goes to retrieve the shikha, the power that he forgot, so he's battled this mitzvah as well as we'll see the forthcoming later, I say. And besides that, he shows himself to be stingy and to have bad medis, which the Torah is trying to prevent.